Hi, this is Joe Hackman with the Manufacturing Advocates Podcast, and today I'm talking with Dorothy Rothrock of the California Manufacturing and Technology Association. And Dorothy happens to be the president of this association. So Dorothy, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what do you do? Well, thank you, Joe. I'm so happy to be here to talk about manufacturing. It's my favorite topic. It's not only what I do for work, but it's what I think about when I'm not at work because it's an extraordinarily important part of the California economy. And there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things that we could be doing to make things better for manufacturers. But how I got into this business is I used to be a lawyer for an electric utility. And in that role, I did work with a lot of companies to help them purchase energy and uh, do business with the utility. And then uh, later on, consulted with some of those companies also um, when I left the utility uh, to help them with some other environmental issues, for example. But then in 2000, was given the opportunity in California to represent manufacturers on the energy issues. And then just a few years after that, was given the opportunity to cover all the issues for manufacturers here at the Trade Association. Great. So how long has the CMTA been in existence? Almost 100 years. Wow. Yeah. 1918 was when we started up. And... Uh, some of the charter members are still in existence. Del Monte Foods, I believe, was one of the first members. Wow. My yeah. dad my dad worked for them for years. Great. That's neat. Been around a long time. Quite a legacy. You see their stuff all over the California, especially Monterey and Big Brand. Yeah. Very cool. So in two thousand sixteen, what are some of the top issues that the CMTA is tackling on behalf of manufacturers? Well, twenty sixteen is almost in the rearview mirror. So we are looking ahead, but many of the same issues that have been on our plate for the last few years will continue to be in 2017, 2018. I think one of the main areas that we're concerned with is the overall cost of doing business regulatory environment for manufacturing. What's really important for people to understand about manufacturing compared to other businesses is Manufacturers make long-term decisions and put lots of money in the ground when they're building a facility or a plant. So they need regulatory certainty. They need to know what their costs are going to be because they compete in global markets. It's not just serving local neighborhood services. It's how am I going to compete with the plant in China or mm -hmm. India or in other states? So I've got to be able to price my product to compete. That means they need long-term cost and regulatory certainty. And how do you guys go about helping manufacturers address that? Is it do you do it on the regulatory side? Do you do it? Do you work with them to help them sort of sort through it? Yeah. How does that? Play well, the, out? the the trade association is membership based, so we have hundreds of companies that are of all different types: uh, aerospace, chemicals. Um, computer manufacturers, food processors, and they're up and down the state, and they're small and they're large, and they belong to CMTA because what we do is together we educate legislators and regulators about how the issues that they're dealing with, how the regulations and proposed bills will impact manufacturers. Um, so that's the way we operate, and to the extent we're successful, the legislators and the regulators do the right thing and keep the business climate favorable for investment. 
and how receptive our our regulators here. Uh, I don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, (laughs) I'm sure that's a big factor. Well, you wouldn't be the first one that got me in trouble. (laughs) Actually, we're very um, positive about manufacturing, and we're happy that so many legislators are as well. Uh, Manufacturers provide upward mobile, middle-class jobs, um, they're extremely environmentally sensitive. They they meet very stringent requirements in California. So they really are a good and favored part of the economy. The legislators ask us frequently, hey, what can we do to bring some more manufacturing jobs back to my district? Hmm. And we say, well, there's a lot of things that we need to be working on. Um, and here's some things you can do to help. And then the work comes with actually trying to turn those good ideas into actual bills and regulations. Yeah. So do we have any champions right now? Do we have some folks that are helping to put forward some legislation and make some things happen? You know, the, the, the champions are out there, and they each have their own district-specific interests. Um, one thing about California that makes it really fun and and interesting to work in this area is that every single area has its own set of challenges and opportunities. Some areas of the state have relatively moderate or low-cost housing, for example, or there's lots of open land um, that may be attractive to a certain kind of investment. Other inner-city, smaller lots, high-cost land areas have a different kind of manufacturing that they may be able to attract. And depending on the kind of company, taxes may be a more important, skilled workforce, some environmental regulations. All these things are going to matter at a different level. So it's really hard to say there's any particular one, you know, legislator that's really the champion on all those issues. We really do need to pick and find the champions for their districts that can help us with those specific interests. Very interesting. So in many ways, it's California is like more than a state. It's there's like a country here in essence. So there's so much different stuff. It really is. You think Uh, about the difference between L.A., San Diego, Silicon Valley, Central Valley, North State. It's it really is night and day. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's uh, it is for sure. Um, So on on the. on the cost side, um, obviously that's a big, that's always a big factor. And how are, how are companies managing to adapt when they're actually playing by a different set of rules a lot of times here? Is there things that CMTA can do or, and has done to help with that? Is the government helping with that? I guess is a bigger question. <laughs> uh, we do have, and I guess I'll pitch it as a bit of a commercial for those manufacturers that are listening. Uh, we have a workers' comp insurance product that provides an excellent value for manufacturers if they're interested in that. Workers' comp insurance is often a big cost feature mm-hmm. for being um, a manufacturer in California, so we're happy to offer that. There's also um, costs that we can't control um, and also seem to be almost beyond our ability to influence, but yet are very important. And that includes things like the cost of housing or trade policies or things like that that are just overarching. All businesses care about these things, Mm -hmm. issues. 
Um, we do work very closely with other trade associations in California to make sure that we're helping them help us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Building Industry Association and people working on transportation infrastructure, things like that, we're very busy making sure we, you know, hope that they are successful as well. Yeah. So who are some of your your key partners uh, in in various spaces? I mean, obviously, you mentioned a couple of organizations there, but what are some of the other are you, do you partner with education? Do you partner with... Yeah, let's talk, talk about education a little bit because it is such a, a critical issue. Um, when I'm out speaking to groups of manufacturers out in the regions, um, one of the top two issues that they raise to me about what it's like to do business in California is the need for a skilled workforce and the difficulty they're having finding skilled workers. It's important because it's really what has been historically our competitive edge in California is that post-World War II with our university system and unbelievable innovation and, um, frankly, young men coming out of the military with skills were just put right to work in manufacturers, and that really was the uh, an unbelievable growth spurt for California in manufacturing. There's certain levels of retirements now happening, and young people... We are, we've been disappointed to see career and technical education falling off in the K through 12 system. So there's not as much impetus for or availability of those classes for kids to learn how to work with their hands and mm-hmm. see that manufacturing would be a great career. Mm-hmm. So we're having to backfill that with some government action to try to get workforce development dollars into the uh, pipeline for um end of K through 12, but also community colleges and other workforce-related services that are offered in the regions. Um, so in terms of getting overcoming competitive cost issues, the more productive your workforce can be, the better. And of course, we're all learning about how automation is changing the face of manufacturing, mm-hmm. and that's increasing the number of and amount of skills that are required for each worker to be able to run and maintain those machines. So you have a optimism about you and a passion for this industry. And I know that there's a lot to be optimistic about, even though there's a lot to be not so optimistic about. What are some of the things that make you the most hopeful going into 2017 that you're mm-hmm. excited about? Well, you know, the recent national election really put a spotlight on manufacturing and the importance of manufacturing in the U.S. And there is absolutely no reason why California couldn't lead a U.S. manufacturing renaissance. We have everything here that you need. We have the higher ed system. We've got unbelievable innovation. We've got capital. We've got venture capital. We've got regular capital for companies to access. And we're right there near the Pacific Rim for import-export activity. So it's really our choice in California whether we want to step up to that challenge Mm -hmm. and be that way in which we can bring manufacturing back. Uh, I really, looking forward, I mean, to say I'm optimistic is correct, but it's also, oh, my gosh, now it's really going to it's really going to matter what mm-hmm. we do here <laughs> yeah. because everybody will be watching to see is is California really going to step up or not right 
and we're seeing other states already making their um, economies very favorable for manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And are we going to let them t- take the lead away from us? I don't think we should let them do that. I agree. Uh, it seems like um, on the state-to-state level, it seems like the governorships seem to be, play this really critical role in it. Um, is the is my perception accurate? Have have the governors really been one of the major driving forces, one way or the other, for these um, yeah. tides? It, it's interesting because so much of a decision to make a long-term investment depends on your feeling about the place you're going and what kind of treatment you're going to get in the long term. Mm -hmm. Nobody can guarantee that things are going to be wonderful 10, 20 years out. But what you want to do if you're an investor looking at where you're going to site a plant is where is there some political stability? Where do I feel like I'm going to be listened to if I have a problem? Who's going to be responsive to my needs? And I think a lot of the governors in the states have said, you know what, I'm willing to personally put myself out there mm-hmm. as a leader and to make take make visits with these people and talk to them about it. And that does overcome a lot of what might be just real-life problems on the ground. If mm-hmm. you know you've got a partner going forward, then that's going to make a huge amount of difference. I yeah. absolutely, I absolutely agree that leadership – at, at a very high level is needed to make manufacturers feel comfortable about making investments. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, maybe we can shed a little light on just how big the manufacturing industry is in mm-hmm. California because I was shocked when I started to look at the numbers, absolutely shocked. Well, you can look at the size of manufacturing in California in many ways. You can look at employment levels. You can look at GDP. Um, overall, we're about 10 or 11% of the economy. But that doesn't count the multiplier effect. Um, and what I mean by that is sort of an econometrics type term. But when you've got a manufacturer in your community, you're supporting a whole lot of other businesses and employment in other businesses. So um, you've got a hub of wealth creation that's spilling over. And manufacturing of all the economic sectors is by far the highest benefit creator in that way. That's really why it's really so exciting uh, to think about manufacturing coming back, because that also supports every other sector of the economy. And that's why, frankly, it makes sense for everybody to be supporting manufacturing, no matter what kind of business that you're in. Uh, but getting to your you know, question about the absolute size, California is still the biggest manufacturing state. We have the most diverse manufacturing economies, so the different types of manufacturers, we represent them all. Mm-hmm. And the supply chains for companies is magnificent, and that includes both inside the state as well as the access for component parts that are coming from other countries. So you have California manufacturers at the center of just this dynamic um, ecosystem that has tentacles across the ocean and down to Mexico up to Canada as well as inside to the heartland. Mm-hmm. Why would you be anywhere else than California if it made sense? Yeah, when you've got a hub. A hub. That has everything you need. That's right. And if you don't have it right there, it's down the right. you know, Highway 80 or... 
totally. 99 or 5 or wherever. Exactly. Okay. Now, that's that's how come I'm so optimistic. It's it's We have everything going for mm-hmm. us, and all of our problems, to the extent they are our problems, are sort of man-made. Yeah. You know, we're holding ourselves back. It's ours to lose. Exactly. Like that, that football game that <laughs> the team is just <laughs> has overwhelming talent. It's yes. all right there. That's right. Yeah. So what's the matter with you why guys? Are you guys struggling. That's what makes it so difficult to find excuses for why we yeah. we're not on top. Well, like you said, it's man-made. Maybe it's some of the coaching and some of the other issues. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man solution to this. Well, I I hope so. Um, we haven't actually shared. I haven't shared with you yet the the dire situation for California right now in terms of investment. And, and how it really isn't matching what we've done historically. Let's talk about the ugly then. Yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. The, what's the situation well, with that right now? Every year we look at statistics about how many investments are coming to California and how many investments are going to other states in the U.S. And we've seen just a very alarming trend that, well, between 1977 and 2000, we got an average of about 5.6% of U.S. manufacturing. And that included two periods of really strong investments in aerospace and Silicon Valley growth with the, the technology boom there. But since 2000, it's really dropped off, and we've only seen 1% to 3% of U.S. manufacturing mm. investment coming here. And we think that really bodes ill for the future mm-hmm. because what happens if companies stop investing money then that means their equipment is becoming less modern perhaps other facilities in their network of companies are becoming more modern and more streamlined and productive then that means over time California's manufacturing employment is also going to drop so it's a leading indicator that things may be going a little bit south on employment as well. So we need to get real about this now before this gets out of hand. Yes, exactly. So what are some steps we can take today, do you think, to to head this tide off? Yeah, well, I think a a first really good step always includes some, some earnest messaging about the importance of manufacturing and from a very high level at the leadership level, that California intends to be a manufacturing powerhouse into the future, that we're not going to let it go without a fight. Mm-hmm. And if manufacturers around the country who are the investors, the investors are in Chicago and New York and um, you know elsewhere in the world looking at places they can put their facilities, if they hear California saying that we're serious about attracting their investment, they'll put us on the list to look at. That's the first step. Okay. Um, Another is that when they finally get to looking at us, they've got some regulatory certainty around how long it's going to take them to get up and operating. I think some of the press that you see about companies deciding to not come to California or going somewhere else, often a big problem is the time it takes them to get a permit. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the land isn't quite um, zoned correctly, um, or there's some mitigation that needs to be done or some reports or analysis that needs to be done that, well, 
the compliance itself isn't really the problem. It's the time it takes for it to get done Mm -hmm. and the fact that even when you do do it, you might get sued and cause more delay. So it's it's a, gee, I've got a product cycle here to meet. I've got a deadline that I've got to get this new version out. Can you guarantee that that's going to be the case? And if California can't guarantee it, then maybe we'd lose to another state who could. And we'd lose a lot of that 10%, eventually that 10% of our economy, but without taking into account the multipliers. So let's talk about the multipliers because I've um, seen some staggering figures around what a manufacturing job represents from mm-hmm. our friend uh, Bill Gaines mm-hmm. and the North State to grow manufacturing folks. And I'm, I understand in other areas those numbers are even higher. I'm not sure how much of research you guys have done or how much light you can shed onto that. But I think in terms of convincing the public who has the influence to influence the people to make these decisions, Mm -hmm. that's going to be one of the critical battles is getting people to understand what that really represents to their community. If that company brings even 20 jobs, that's really like what, 80 jobs. Give me the, give me the lowdown on that from your perspective. There's a kind of an average number of say, you know, 1.5 additional jobs for every manufacturing job. But I think that that actually understates it in California um, particularly, and of course, it varies by industry type. I've heard um, in the electronics space, they they say maybe five or six new jobs for every single job. It has to do with the the kind of value added that's created by a particular manufacturing firm. Um, some have just unbelievable margins and value added, and each each employee that they have in their firm creates such huge value that that spills over to a much higher multiple when that money is also spent or used in the community or in the state for suppliers or services or whatever. So it's one of the challenges as you hear me kind of going through this little statement is it sounds sort of wonky and intangible. I think what people can do in their communities to understand this better or perhaps if they want to be participating in the support for manufacturing is to first of all understand that they're actually there in their community and they may not even know they're there Mm -hmm. they're hidden they're in these industrial parks that aren't necessarily in their neighborhoods uh there's no smokestacks there's no sign pointing to them saying this is a manufacturer in fact, they look kind of, they're behind, they have lawns in front and maybe a little sign that has a strange acronym on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And who knows what's going on behind those walls. Um, but they're out there mm-hmm. and they're creating a huge amount of wage and payroll um, benefit in that community. Each year, the um, National Association of Manufacturers and CMTA in California really support this manufacturing day and in 2017 it'll be october 6th where manufacturers up and down the state and actually across the country open their doors and invite community to come in and see what's going on behind these walls and it's fabulously um, exciting and it's growing every year and when people see what's going on and the kind of equipment that's being used and how much fun the employees are having 
uh, building these products and inventing these things and, and wonderful jobs in these shops, they get excited about it. Um, we encourage people to take their kids into these facilities, and they see, wow, manufacturing is fun. This is yeah. what I want to do. It's hard not to love it. Yeah, and maybe uh, maybe <laughs> you I'll see it firsthand. I'll take that shop class, yeah. you know, or I'll look for that as something that oh, I want to be a welder or mm-hmm. machining. That's something that sounds like fun. So that's really going to be important for you know developing that future workforce. But getting back to understanding viscerally the value of manufacturing, it it can give people a better sense of, okay, these are the businesses in my community that are really making a difference. It's not just the grocery store down the street or the Macy's in the mall. Yeah. I'm always amazed. I'll learn about a manufacturer that's, you know, in El Dorado Hills where I live that I had never heard of. I'll see something on Facebook that the chamber puts and then I'll look at it and it's like an ink I'm like, what is this? Where did these people come from? So it is true. Manufacturing is, it's, it is very hidden. It isn't what you think it is. You might right. see just a, a business park and you mm-hmm. might think, well, I don't know what goes on. It's a bunch of offices, right? It's a bunch of people talking and on their computers, <laughs> but actually it's not. Right. There's a, uh, amazing, fascinating process going on there. Yep. And a, an incredible amount of effort has been put into to build, maintain, right. and improve. So, yeah, we got to, people need to see that. I so, agree. Yeah, I, I agree. like that you guys use video. So well, tell we, me about that. We use video um, as much as possible because it, well, a picture tells a thousand words, obviously. Um, and the the automation, who doesn't want to see these robots? I mean, yeah. unbelievable what they do. Um, but I also love when I'm looking at the videos of the manufacturing plant, you get kind of mesmerized by the how quick things work. I'm always interested. I see the people working in those facilities, and I see what they're doing. They're, they're analyzing maybe a com- computer screen. Others are kind of bent over looking underneath something or doing none of it looks dull Mm. it all looks like oh these people are thinking about something and in fact gosh there's all this stuff going on and there's just two people i mean they've got big jobs if something's going to go south in this you know set of machines or whatever in this assembly process all of a sudden there's going to be hell to pay Mm -hmm. and there's going to be some guy that's that's going crazy trying to get things back on track because so much of it in the modern advanced manufacturing is just in time, fast, efficient, super clean, um, tight tolerances. And if something's going wrong, that's hundreds, thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars of potential losses. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot at stake and you need smart people that are on the ball. And so I, I just think it's it's a fascinating um, process now, so different than it has been if you go back really historically, um, where you think about a more routine, slower paced, you know, manual labor mm-hmm. kind of a process. So you you mentioned robots, and and you know it's funny because I think a lot of people worry that you know robots are going to replace us all and things like that, but. 
it seems to me that robots end up doing a lot of the things that people don't want to do because it's dangerous or uh, because repetitively welding, you know, thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of things every day, you're going to you're going to get bored and worn out doing the exact same thing. So what um, what do you know about the automation aspects of the industry where it's headed and what are your thoughts on that? Are you worried it's that robots are going to take the jobs? No, I, I to put it I'm, <laughs> for one, there's, there's actually, it's, it's interesting because it, it's kind of the reverse. The, the automation sets us free to use our brains. So while the skilled craftsmen are still highly in demand, but there's, there's no question that, that the, people that have the skills that actually know how to build things and can do things um, on the fly and they know how they're designed and they know how they should be put together, those are the people that you have now not only doing the work sometimes for very individual products, very niche design custom products, they're the ones also designing the software for the machines to do the same thing. And then that frees them up to design even better products. I mean, it's a it's a constantly improving value added, better, let's do it better next time kind of a thing. And hope to God it never stops because so long as we're innovating, there's going to be jobs for people to either carry out the designs that have been created by the PhDs or the young people that are just coming out of school that have great ideas and need some experts to help them put it into make it reality. So maybe we're looking at this whole we need to raise the minimum wage issue wrong. Maybe what we need to do is get people into better jobs and make yeah. and make an environment that's conducive to that. Yeah. To that end. The the um the intention to improve people's lives by increasing the minimum wage, um, I can respect because, yes, we want middle-class jobs. We want more people to be raised out of poverty and into the middle class. Um, I think the best way of doing that is expanding manufacturing, as you say, because that that's creating it through the marketplace and through capital investment. Um, rather than sort of forcing it on companies and then having that just play through as a higher cost for consumers. If you can create value with innovation and create productivity for each employee, that justifies a higher wage and that keeps them moving up into the middle class. Well, I think um, the education system is starting to prove that you don't have to do a four-year program in order to have a good job. And in many ways, that's been so emphasized and I think beat into people's heads that perhaps there's a lot of people that find themselves at that crossroad and they're not really sure, well, which way should I go? Mm-hmm. Should I just be content to go find a retail job or go mm-hmm. you know, work at fast food or whatever? Or should I see if I find something else that's interesting? Mm-hmm. So if we could get more of those people that are at that crossroad to look at this, and become right. interested in it, having more readily available workers, as you noted earlier, is a really important factor that yeah. makes it makes it easier for a manufacturer to be successful. So we it's need to make sure they very true. they get those folks very from true. that crossroad. Yeah. And, and out that, of that minimum wage job. And that, that the point you make about 
the two-year type certificate or associate degree um, is really true, uh, that you, you don't need a four-year degree. But what I, again, I, you know, I'm excited about manufacturing for so many different reasons, but there's also a path that is the engineering-interested student who's also very, very interested in going on to a four-year degree can use his manufacturing um, experience as part of his long-term growth in that because manufacturers have jobs available from the very lowest levels to the very, very, very highest levels of those PhDs that are working in biotech, for example, yeah. or in the in the tech industries or aerospace or anywhere, food processing. There, there are people, there are chemists and engineers extraordinaire mm-hmm. um, who are at the very highest levels, and they're manufacturing employees. There, There is no real ceiling to it. There's no ceiling, and... The floor may have risen a little bit, and I, we have to be honest about that. It used to be it used to be said that you could you know come out of high school and just roll right into a manufacturing plant, um, but really the, the manufacturers are needing employees to be productive more on day one than they have mm-hmm. been in the past. You really can't afford to take on employees that aren't productive, yeah. and so uh, those two year degrees are kind of the the path in. Now, there are some internships and other kinds of training opportunities that we're actually at CMTA trying to um, bolster in California. You asked earlier, and maybe I didn't answer it very well, about what we're trying to get done here. We think that there's a huge opportunity for companies to get more connected with their local workforce development entities Mm -hmm. and schools and offer up more of those kinds of internship or introductory type employment opportunities maybe they don't pay a huge wage but you could put it on your resume and you can use it as an exploration into potential careers Mm -hmm. and these it's sort of like an extended interview you know the company can say oh we really like this kid we need to get him back and hey you finish school and come on back and we'll put you somewhere yeah yeah well that's uh i think that's how we met originally actually was your involvement in with the um one of the SME events or one of the events I had seen mm-hmm. uh, advertised through the SME list. So, yeah, I uh, was great, grateful to have met your, uh, made your acquaintance that day to have the opportunity to talk in the future. So I'm going to hit you with a big question now. Oh, so I'm going to hit you. What with, were those other ones? Yeah, those, were, those were just small? the warm-ups <laughs> just to get you, get you going. So uh, <clears throat> what would you like to see uh, your legacy be? Yeah. You know, down the road when you're ready to uh, spend some time on the golf course or on the beach or whatever you like to do when you're relaxing and not thinking about manufacturing, what would you like to look back and say, you know, I'm really glad that I accomplished? Yeah, that's a really good question. The good news is that's years and years and years away. So I've got plenty of time to work on my legacy. I think I'd like my legacy to be that that the legislature or the California policymakers always knew the truth about what was going on with manufacturing and that they never didn't know. Because the what I tell my lobbyists and my team here, and I, I really mean it, it's we are really not in charge 
of what the legislators decide to do or what the regulators decide to do. What we're totally in charge of and in control of is whether they've got accurate and relevant information about how this impacts manufacturing. And it's up to them to do with that information what they will do. But if we don't get them that information, if they don't have what they need to make good decisions, that's on us. We have no one to blame but ourselves. So making sure that the communication comes through our company members um, as well as other manufacturers who are not CMT members, although every one of them should be. But we even listen to we listen to companies that are not our members as well. And we we want to make sure their voice is being heard because it's only when their voice is being heard, the legislators are going to be in this put on the spot, I guess, to either do the right thing or not. Mm-hmm. But when I leave here uh, or when I'm done with working on this issue, it'll be because um, <laughs> I've been carried out. <laughs> you were successful. I would, but I was, I was successful and maybe my work is done. Yeah. You know? I don't think they'll carry you out until you're successful. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't let them. <laughs> Wait, I've got more to say. I'm not done yet. Yeah. No, it is, it is pretty fun. And it's, I have to say, can't imagine representing any other kind of company than a manufacturer. Well, I got, I caught the bug. Um, so I can definitely relate. I just working with the people in in the industry, I felt in many ways, I felt like they were underserved. Their mm-hmm. expectations were low and they were really appreciative of just basic service. And I was like, wow, who's been dealing with these people? I feel, I felt awful for them, but they're the nicest people and the stuff they do is fascinating. So I, I love it. So right. I'm a, I'm with you there. So great. Well, I think that is just about our time for today. So is there any last comments or thoughts, anything you'd like to share or maybe some resources that people can utilize? Right. Well, what we do hope is anybody that's interested in manufacturing, um, our website is awesome, if I do say so myself. It's at cmta.net, and we have a very easy, no-cost, just-one-click way for anybody that's interested in manufacturing to become part of our army of manufacturing champions. And what that means is when you're a manufacturing champion, you might get two or three alerts during a year when something really important is happening on manufacturing at the state legislature. And that then gives you the option in a very easy way to contact your legislator or um, or the governor, whoever it is that we're directing you to, to say, hey, I care about this and I support manufacturing. Ah, that's great. Yeah. And that's simple. Simple. And if, <laughs> if everybody did it, if we had thousands of voices rising up in a unified chorus, maybe we could win and maybe that would be another legacy I would have. There you go. You could double, <laughs> you could double up on that. That's right. <laughs> Well, I want to thank everyone for for listening today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And certainly, Dorothy, I could tell you were uh, very passionate about what you were talking about today, and I really appreciate everything you're doing for manufacturing here in California. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Have a great day. 